You can subscribe to The Leader through your podcast provider and tell your friends about us. Please do share the news, analysis and commentary. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. 35,000 HSBC jobs are at risk. Can the UK compete in the era of the US megabank? Clearly, we've got now got Brexit talks where things like fishing are being argued over. We must make sure we don't lose sight of the bigger picture, which is financial services is the lifeblood of the UK economy and needs to be protected. Our business news editor, Alex Lawson, on how the city must change strategy to survive. Also, it could be, for example, you pay a fee as somebody who wants to have an associate citizenship and they could be either a stamp on your passport or a separate document. Is there a backdoor to the EU through associate citizenship? Sadiq Khan explains his idea to the leader. And the rest of the world are looking to this country to see what we do and not just with design, but big fashion businesses and how they respond to changes in the world. Fashion editor Karen Dacre reviews London Fashion Week is green, the new black. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comet. In a moment, there's a US v Europe banking clash coming, and the UK is right in the middle. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. There have been many things going wrong with HSBC recently. Underperforming in investment banking, problems in retail, failure to break the US, even the spread of coronavirus across its largest market, Asia. The job axe has been hovering for some time, but the cut is far deeper than expected. Analysts thought 10,000 would go. It'll be 35,000 lost over the next three years. Some of that will likely hit London. The Evening Standard's editorial column says it's a sign of things to come and the UK will need to fight the city's corner. These are nervous times for the city and Canary Wharf. Today's news of heavy job cuts of well-paid investment bankers at HSBC comes hard on the heels of Friday's similar moves at RBS. RBS and HSBC cannot compete with Wall Street's Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs and the mighty JP Morgan. Only Barclays stands a chance of success, and even that is in doubt. Nothing will stop this global trend. 
So rather than weep about the decline of our homegrown firms, we must focus on making the city as attractive as possible to the US megabanks. That means negotiating hard with Europe for the city to remain the region's capital of finance, not trading it in for minority industries, such as fishing. It means being welcoming in our visa system to talent from around the world and being open to global investment. Europe wants a slice of that action. We must fight for it or we shall all be the poorer. Well, with me to explain what's happening is our business news editor, Alex Lawson. And Alex, why are so many more jobs going than expected? So it's important to look at the context of today's job cut announcements from HSBC. Uh, Britain's major banks have been pulling away from investment banking, particularly RBS, who announced job cuts the other day, and um, and HSBC. Barclays still in there trying to fight with the Wall Street giants. Um, but what we've seen today is that uh, HSBC are pulling away from investment banking, so that's banking for other companies trying to raise money in the capital markets uh, in Europe and the US, and focusing more on their operations in Asia, uh, which are facing some short-term troubles, of course, from the coronavirus and also uh, from Hong Kong. In terms of the numbers of the jobs, as you say, uh, it, it looks pretty severe, um, potentially 35,000 over the next three years. Uh, the interim CEO, um, Noel Quinn, has said that some of those jobs will be lost through sort of natural attrition. They won't be sort of cut straight away. Uh, but still, it, it says a lot about Europe's place on the world banking stage and, and how quickly Asia is growing. So what does all this mean for the, the makeup of skills inside the city? Well, bank, investment bankers did used to be seen as the masters of the universe, but their status seems to have slipped ever so slightly in recent years. And it's interesting comparing the kind of average salaries between investment banking and tech these days. It's around about the mid-70s for both industries, um, and particularly at the lower end, the graduate entry salaries uh, are that much higher than they used to be in tech. Uh, so that's kind of the go-to industry in terms of it's potentially a sexier industry, and also it's now paying the salaries. So uh, the big banks are having to work hard to attract good, good quality talent. So can our local banks, as HSBC once called itself, not compete? I think the reality is that we've had low interest rates for over a decade now, and it's difficult to make money in banking. We've seen a 33% slump in profits for HSBC today. Uh, beyond the coronavirus, they've also uh, got the headache of Brexit, of course, uh, to deal with, and a wider slowdown in the world economy to do with the US and China trade war. So it's just become that much more difficult, and companies are having to slim down and focus on what they do well. And unfortunately, in the case of Britain's biggest bank, it isn't necessarily... Uh, investment banking over here. So is London in particular vulnerable to this? Is that why our leader column is talking about teaming up with Europe effectively and ensuring that London remains this area's yeah. financial capital? Yeah, and that's why uh, some of the banks were so vociferous in their opposition to Brexit, because we understand that we've got to work as a region uh, to, to, to stand up uh, in terms of our industry uh, against America and also working with America, um, ironically enough as well. The foundations of Canary Wharf are, was that growth in the big American banks, your Goldman's, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, really uh, sort of pressing the accelerator over here through the 90s uh, and making London such a huge, important financial institution on the global stage. Now, 
clearly we've got now got Brexit talks where things like, as we point out, um, fishing are being argued over. We must make sure we don't lose sight of the bigger picture, which is financial services is the lifeblood of the UK economy and needs to be protected. There's going to be a strain there, though, when you think about the treaties that are going to have to be signed with the European Union and with the US. The city's mm. going to be right in the middle there, isn't it? Yes, and it's going to be very awkward. And what's interesting is how whether people are willing to talk about that publicly, about what they want from those negotiations anymore, because it has become a very charged subject in terms of bosses speaking out uh, and trying to influence those trade talks. Next. Actually, it's a great way to unite our country because, you know, it's an olive branch because we have left the European Union. But for those of us Romanians who want to stay close to the EU, this is one way of doing that. Sadiq Khan talks to the leader about EU associate citizenship. Can Europe keep a back door open for London? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm not sure if you'd know this, but Britain left the EU last month. Apparently there was a referendum and everything. I must have missed it. Anyway, we're in the transition period where all the real negotiations are taking place. And for those lamenting the loss of free movement of UK citizens through the continent, the Mayor of London thinks there may be a new route. Associate citizenship, it's called. You could get a new passport. I have no idea what colour or a stamp in your existing one. And it would give you rights to work and live in the EU. Other mayoral candidates are not impressed. Rory Stewart says it's unworkable. Sean Bailey thinks it's a gimmick. But Mr Khan hopped on a train to Brussels this morning to sell the idea to the European Parliament's Brexit steering group. And our City Hall editor Ross Lydell nabbed the seat beside him to ask how it could work. Never before has a country left the European Union, so it's, we're in uncharted territory. It could be, for example, you pay a fee as somebody who wants to have an associate citizenship and there could be either a stamp on your passport or a separate document and you'd be free to travel around the European Union. You may be able to uh, study there or work there. And so these are some of the things that we're going to discuss. Obviously, it'd be ideal if uh, our government could negotiate this as one of the terms of uh, the, the FTA that's negotiated with the, the European Union. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I've written to Boris Johnson. Actually, it's a great way to unite our country because, you know, it's an olive branch because we have left the European Union. Uh, but for those of us Romanians who want to stay close to the EU, this is one way of doing that. Was there not a 
European case last year when this idea was tried but was found to be in breach of the EU rules, the EU laws? Uh, as they currently stand, and that's one of the reasons why uh, you know, I'm speaking to senior members of uh, the European Union today to try and put across to them because it may need a treaty change, it may need a new treaty. Uh, and so if, if under the current rules it can't be done, there's no reason at all why the European Union, if they were amenable to this, couldn't explore this further. Now, what, if anything, would it not give us that full membership did previously give us? Oh, no, let's be frank. One of the things I, I was calling for was for us to stay in the single market and uh, be members of the customs union. That would have meant we keep free movement both ways. Uh, EU citizens would have free movement to come to our country, including London, and we'd have free movement to go there. That's clearly off the table because uh, Boris Johnson has made it clear we're not going to be members of the single market. So that's not the case. All that flows from that free movement on just people, but you know, services, uh, goods, and capital. So it wouldn't give us any of that. But one of the things we want to explore is if the EU are interested in this and what it would entail. I mean, the, the, the exam question for the European Union is uh, for those of them that want us to continue to uh, not just be holiday makers there, but be students there or to work in their businesses, how can they make it easy for us to do so? One way is this associate citizenship being explored further. EU citizens in London can vote in the mayoral elections. Isn't this just a crafty way for you to try and hoover up the votes of these EU citizens by arguing for this? Well, I think my European credentials and my Romanian credentials, uh, you know, don't need any more polishing. Uh, that's not why I'm doing this. It's but actually making sure that I continue to bang the drum for London. But aside from associate citizenship, there are other reasons why it's important for the Mayor of London. I would say Europe's only global city to have close relations with the EU. Uh, we've still got uh, staff who work in Brussels. It's really important, even though we've left the European Union, for London to have close ties with Brussels. And you can read more on Ross Lydell's story in the Evening Standard or online at standard.co.uk. Now... Put your frock away, store the high heels. London Fashion Week is over. It's so last year. Actually, it's back in September, but there's a lot to talk about between now and then. And the Evening Standard's fashion editor, Karen Dake, is here to do just that. Karen, has Fashion Week been a success this year? Do you know, it really has. Um, I think British fashion is in probably the best shape it's been in in a really long time. I think it's dynamic and it's it's on a global platform now where it's kind of the rest of the world are looking to this country to see what we do and not just with design but kind of with our big big fashion businesses and how they respond to changes in the world and kind of changes in culture changes in you know the environment all the big global conversations fashion our fashion industry is reacting to those really well i think one of the big changes that was called for it opened in fact london fashion week was this call for environmental sustainability mm. was that heeded by those who were there yeah i mean it has been heeded for a long time but as everybody knows it's a very slow process in changing a big business especially with big brands but with the small ones as well it, it takes a long time to make your business a sustainable business but i think what we're seeing certainly on the catwalk now is lots of designers looking to really looking at the way they produce clothes to see if they can change those practices so things like Vegan leather is emerging as a big thing in fashion, which is a tricky thing in itself because it uses a lot of plastic. So designers are kind of looking to solutions for that. So how they can use there's like bamboo leathers and all that sort of thing, natural things that they can do to make full leather a more sustainable practice. The way that they wash denim. So we had Tommy Hilfiger here. He showed on Saturday, Sunday night 
Um, and they use no water to wash their denim now, which is a massive shift. I mean, loads of denim brands do that, but for a big, massive juggernaut like Tommy Hilfiger, that's a huge thing to kind of infiltrate across your brand. But it's not all about the serious stuff. There's fun at London Fashion there is. Week, there's and there's a whole reason for it. Who did really well? Who's come out of London Fashion Week as the big star? So I think J.W. Anderson, who's a Northern Irish designer, his name's Jonathan Anderson, he is also creative director of a fashion house called Loewe. But his show yesterday was literally sublime. He's really hit his stride where design is concerned. He's clever, he's creative, but he's also making hugely wearable clothes that I think you'll see transcend right across the industry so you'll see that on the high street you'll see it in the way that people are buying second-hand clothes now which is really interesting and it's not you know it's not reinventing the wheel it's just doing creative things really really well um i think christopher kane who's a scottish designer who's brilliant um he's newly independent so he bought his business back from caring last year which is a big french conglomerate and he just looks free and happy and just making really creatively interesting clothes. So you're off to Milan tomorrow because you are the coolest person who works. Thank you. <laughs> I try. Are you ready for it all again in September? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we'll do... We, we go to Milan tomorrow and then we go to Paris. So there's two just kind of... just show it off now, okay. Yeah, I'm just showing it off. Um, but that's kind of where the big, big hitters happen. So that's where you get your Chanel's and your Fendi's and your Prada's. Um, and I think what is interesting from my point of view is how well London is competing with them. So I think where you might find things are a bit more staid or a bit more, you kind of know what you're going to get in Paris and Milan. And I think in London, we're just getting, we just get more and more exciting. And that's the leader. Subscribe to your podcast provider and give us a rating too. You can also contact us through social media with the hashtag the leader podcast. We're back at 4pm tomorrow.